wonderful. Well, it's an unusual time, amen? It is, uh, I think those who have, have lived a bit even are saying, okay, this is, this is unusual. Um, even if you've been around for a while and have seen lots of things and I know there'll be an abundance of various uh, opinions in the room as to what, what is or isn't going on and that's okay. Um, I'm not going to pretend to be an expert this morning, okay? I'm a church leader, so I'm going to talk as a church leader, is that all right? And rather than an, an internet expert, which we all like to be in times like this, and of course it's you know neither bad nor good, but uh, I just want to leave you encouraged and full of faith. Uh, just some practicals, um, uh, really. Uh, so as you will have guessed and heard, if you're on uh, emails and stuff like that and social media, so the Spirit and Word Leaders Summit this Tuesday, Wednesday has been cancelled. Um, uh, Dan McCollum, even before. Uh, President Trump stopped all the flights to and from Europe and things like that. Um, they, they, I think they kind of preemptively knew all this stuff would start to kick off. So, and they were also going to France as well as coming here. So uh, that, that just didn't happen. Uh, and then we had people, uh, uh, people coming from France uh, and from all across the UK. And so we just felt, well, um, uh, I think we've managed to postpone it. So we're hoping to hold it in the autumn. And the hotel has very kindly let us shift the booking because it is thousands of pounds. So that's good, isn't it? Um, other little practices, Little Angels is cancelled till after the Easter holidays. Ghoul is cancelled this morning. Um, pastoral visits at the moment are halted completely until we have a proper policy in place for our pastors. Is that okay? So we'll be doing that this week and then we'll let you know how pastoral visiting happens. Of course, everybody is easily available on the phone. So keep, keep doing all that sort of thing. We're just trying to work out what we should do. Um, not only the practicals, but you've got to aware every organization is aware of its liabilities at the moment too. So you know you have to be um, doing things properly as an organization, caring for your staff and all that kind of thing. So, um, obviously, Christians, we're not good at social distancing, are we? No. I mean, I am. <laughs> but you know, if somebody told me to self-isolate and work from home, I'd be like, yes! You know, all my dreams have come true. You know, I don't even have to go shopping. You just order it online and it turns up. Of course, you then disinfect it before you put it in your cupboards, but let's not go there, you know. It's a, it's a hypochondriac's paradise, this, isn't it? Um, uh, but, of course, churches aren't very good at social distancing, aren't we? So, so I am aware, for instance, a lot of uh, my friends have closed all services today with similar-sized churches. So that is beginning to go on. They are in slightly more hot spots. We're, we're not particularly a hot spot at all, are we, at the moment? Um, uh, although, again, because they've stopped testing, you don't really know what's going on. But So essentially, we'll be doing what we feel is sensible. We've got a meeting on Wednesday, and we'll let everybody know whether we're still meeting, whether it's the large meetings or the small ones. There is Cottingham tonight. There is the Quadrant tonight. Uh, six o'clock? Yeah. Quadrant, six o'clock, Ian and Lynn. Yeah, great. Um, uh, uh, but we'll be making a decision in the week. And again, we will be making it as church leaders, not as experts. Okay, so you just do what you think is sensible, what you think is the right thing to do for your community and the makeup of your community. Um, uh, and, and we'll let everybody know on Wednesday, is that okay? Uh, but it's, it's going to be interesting. You're going to be mighty, aren't you? Yeah, you'll, get, you'll get through it. And uh, so God will help us and everything. So, um, well, the practicals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Uh, well, you know, I mean, another little practical thing is we, five of the eight buildings we use, we don't clean, so we can't vouch for the cleaning. Although Vicky went round every door handle and flush and everything today, and we've cleaned, we've cleaned it all ourselves. So, um, or rather, Vicky has. Beautiful. So, uh, just to, uh, an extra little. Um, but we are aware, so you'll notice there's a retiring offering today, churches are generally not passing around buckets, they're not having communion, apparently the worst way to do communion is the way we do it, intinction, you get all the fingernails in the wine, you know, no. yeah, not good is it, so, um, has my microphone been cleaned? Yeah, let's just check it, um, so, uh, you know, so we will let you know um, on Wednesday, what is or isn't continuing, whether the home groups are, some churches are, some churches aren't. And again, these will be guidelines. They won't be um, he heavy rules. And you must do what you feel right doing wherever you are at in life and your family's at, okay? And we're here to support. And we will make sure, whatever happens, we will build up all the pastoral and friendship connections somewhere or the other. We'll find ways of devising all of that. Um, uh, to bring the su support systems in nice and strongly, whatever happens, is that okay? Um, uh, a, a practical thing uh, on, on finances, if we do close Sunday services, we would be down from offerings about a third of our income is offerings. So you will notice that actually most of the leaders and, the, and you would think mature believers actually in the room often let the buckets go by in an offering. It's because they all give by standing order. So it is a great time to uh, give by standing order or at least if your income is the kind of income that goes up and down so you, you don't know what the monthly amount would be, set up your phone so you can give electronically because we would like to keep things going if we, even if we do end up shutting down for what looks like could be could be a couple of months, it's very hard to tell at this point, okay? So if you can, if you are a member of the church, uh, you, you tithe, you give, wherever you're at with that, if you can set up so that you can do that electronically, it really helps us to keep things going and not just halt things, is that okay? So do consider that. If you wanna know where the details are, um, the, the retiring offering is a couple of buckets just outside the door. There's all the little gift aid envelopes. Inside that envelope is a slip with all the bank details on. Is that okay? So you can set up your tithes and offerings that way. I think that's all the, the detailed bits. So I'm going to preach. Is that okay? That'll do, won't it? We'll get on with it. And welcome everybody online. Um, uh, uh, for instance, I know Ghoul closed this morning, so we might have some Ghoul people and, and some others. Uh, we love you lots. And we're praying for you. And in fact, we're going to end this meeting. We're going to pray for all of our people. We're going to pray for people on the internet. We're going to pray for people that feel unwell in any way. Um, of course, when you start to tell people, you know, anybody with cold, everybody starts to get symptoms, don't they? Yeah. Is or isn't my, you know, uh, the slightest sniffle, you know. So, um, well, so we're facing a challenging season. So it's time, church, to shine. It's time for your faith to shine. It's time for all the robust things that God has been doing in you to really come to the fore and they will carry you through. Why? Not because you're strong, but in him, everyone who's weak becomes strong. Amen. And so whatever we face and wherever your opinion on how real or unreal things are or the level that things are at, um, it is a time when we can uh, take a challenge of an unusual period and face it together with God and come out stronger at the end. I've never been through a dark season and trust me, there are many people in the room that have been through darker seasons than whatever the two months ahead have. Let's remember that. People have been through plenty of difficult things before and everyone will testify.
testify. As I walked with God, I came out stronger, closer, and God proved himself again and again. Okay? So I've got, I've got four things that, are, that really we're going to grow in in this next season. And I hope to, to give these to you and, and just think about them as you hopefully go from this room with a bit of an injection of faith in your heart that God is with you and he's for you. Number one, in a season like this, we are really going to grow our minds by learning to focus very well. Focus is going to become paramount. I often think of, of feelings. You know, I don't know if it quite happens. I suppose it does happen as much these days, although some people don't even use email at all, do they? But you get emails and you get attachment to emails, don't you? And do you know that feelings are like attachments to emails? They're like attachments to thoughts. How you think is where your feelings are going to go. So, you know, when I happen to mention, oh, you know, somebody in this room had fleas this week. As soon as I mention the word fleas, don't you start to feel a little bit itchy? You want to scratch your nose, don't scratch your nose. You know. <laughs> scratch your neighbor's nose. No, no, no. Um, uh, it, your mind is incredibly powerful. Now is a time when we are going through a mental assault course. And here's the thing to say to yourself, I'm going to come out of this mentally stronger by using my mind in the way the Bible tells me to use my mind. I am not going to believe everything I think. I'm not going to believe everything I feel. I'm going to take control of my thoughts before they take control of me. Okay, you're going to have to do that in this season, but let me tell you, it's going to be something that you will 20 years from now go, you know, that period taught me to think properly. I stopped giving in to my weaker side. I stopped giving in to my fearful, anxious side, and I learned to become more robust. And you know, everybody in the room can become more robust. We really can. Now, you know, you might go, yeah, but I've got anxiety issues. I know loads of us have got or had anxiety issues. You can still get more robust. I've got depression. I know loads of us in the room have had or been through depression. Trust me, still, you can get more robust. Okay? Um, when people stand in this pulpit, they don't stand there as people that haven't faced anything in life. They stand in the pulpit usually because you've had to pick through your very thoughts, your emotions, and the guff of life and work out what is light and darkness, pan for the that God's put in you and learn how to live okay so trust me having been through it you can come out of real mental difficulty stronger at the end of it if you employ biblical principles yeah one of them is uh well which Isaiah if you got your bible or your phone Isaiah 26 beautiful little scripture Isaiah 26 says this speaking of God you God will keep in perfect peace Isaiah 26 verse 3, you will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is steadfast because he trusts in you. God promises peace to those who can glue their minds to himself. That's what it literally means. It also means this, if I can lean my way of thinking on God, I will have peace. How did Jesus have peace in that storm? Remember, storms all around and he's asleep, head on a pillow in a time of crisis. He was leaning his interior world on his father, deeply heavenly minded. Now, our greatest danger in this period, and this is true of all time, to be honest, but it might be particularly obvious, which might be actually really helpful in this period, is our greatest danger is distraction. 
In fact, the way the modern, modern media and social media are designed to work is that, and I'm going to put this in complete layman's terms because I'm not going to be any cleverer than I really am, every time we see bad news, we get a little chemical hit in our body. It's almost drug-like. Why is it that you have to check social media so often or check the headlines again and again? Um, it's because something in us begins to like it. It's the same reason we like gossip. It's the same reason we like a juicy morsel of something negative. You go, how come I like this? It's because our fallen side is really attracted to just the drug hit of something slightly negative. Now we're going to have to be really grown up and not end up as mental drug addicts. Do you remember 9-11? Now, cast yourself back in history, right? I mean, way back in history. Let's say that something terrible had happened in America 400 years ago. How many days would it have taken for the news to reach us? And how often would we have heard about it? Essentially, what you probably would have got is that, well, two months ago, this dreadful thing happened. It was awful. You sit there over one meal going, well, that's terrible, isn't it? How dreadful. You might even have a little cry about it. But then it's over with and you go, well, well, God bless America. Let's pray for America and move on. Instead, every one of us has watched those planes hit the Twin Towers again and again and again and again. It is psychologically abnormal. You are not designed to cope with that kind of thing. So you are not designed to actually... Be healthy when you leave 24-hour news on. And in fact, more than ever, and I think we all know this, 24-hour news is designed to addict you back because they've not got much to say. So the crazier we can make everything sound, the more you'll come back to have a look at the latest headlines. My recommendation, and Lord, I'm going to have to speak to myself about this, is look at the headlines once a day. And then definitely spend three times as much praying as you spend listening to the headlines. Take control of your thoughts before they take control of you. Amen? If we learn to lean our mindset on God in this period and go, you know what? I have choices, not just of what I think, but how I think. The book of Ephesians tells us to be changed in the very way that we think. And some of us are perhaps a little bit overly trained, or let's just say it's easy to get in easy times. And this is true all over the Bible. You see this again and again. It's easy to get very lazy mentally, isn't it? But this is a time to realize I cannot fiddle around with anxiety because you can actually make yourself quite ill. If not, at the lightest end, just more scared than you need to be. I, I cannot be lazy with negative information. I don't want to pass on stuff that's just, well, why pass on fear? Do you know that faith is also catching? And I hope you catch some this morning. Faith and encouragement and kindness and love and light and God, it's all catching. For some reason, there's a dark side to, to broken humanity that kind of prefers to revel in the negative stuff. How's about we teach our minds and our mouths to speak faith, to speak love, to speak hope, to speak courage? I mean, let's, okay, I mean, what, what, 21 people have died. So every day in this country, 12 men commit suicide, every day. You, we have to keep even the statistics in some kind of a sense of proportion. And listen, you know, how many people have died of car accidents this year? I think 150,000 babies have been aborted in America this year already. In other words, life is blooming dangerous you might as well get bold because the truth is if you worry less and live bolder, you will live longer. In World War II, it was the gung-ho pilots that lived longer. That's, I'm not saying 
Don't be wise. In fact, I am saying that middle road of wise is the place to be. Don't live in denial, because that's one way of trying to cope with difficult news, is to pretend it isn't happening and go around and hug everybody just for the sake of trying to prove that you're not scared. Look, very few people are scared for themselves, but we are concerned for our loved ones. That's, that's what the reality is, okay? Um, and then you've got the other end, which is terrified and anxious. You don't want that either. You don't want to be either. You want to be wise. That's all you want to be, wise and loving and walk with your God who promises to protect you and take control of what's going on in your mind. So learn to lean your mind on God. Um, take every thought captive. Let me read the scripture, 2 Corinthians 10.5. Cheers people up when I say living's really dangerous. Well, it's true, isn't it? Yeah, every time you get in a car. You're really cheerful now, aren't you? Uh, I thought you were trying to give us faith, Jared. No, but real faith is that life is dangerous, but you have an incredible God who's with you. And let's be honest, you live in one of the best parts of the world, in one of the best centuries ever. I mean, that's the reality. Uh, those are the facts anyway 2 Corinthians 10 uh, says this for though verse 3 for though we live in the world we do not wage war as the world does the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world on the contrary they have divine power to demolish strongholds what are those strongholds we demolish arguments imaginations and every pretension that sets itself look at this arguments imaginations and pretensions set themselves up against the knowledge of God so what do we do? We take captive every thought and we make it obedient to Christ. Take thoughts captive. How do you do that? Well, literally, inferred into the text, if you look in the original language, is you talk them into submission. You actually can't talk one thing and think another. Have you ever met somebody who talks a lot? I mean, a lot, do you know what I mean? I, I remember once walking down the street and there's this, this is lovely person. <clears throat> and I, it, it was when BHS used to be open in the middle of Hull and it had two entrances, one in there and one. And I saw down the street, this lovely person. And um, it was one of those people that they kind of talk with circular breathing. Do you know what I mean? They never take a breath. So you never have, you, there's no gap. And the conversation will go from one subject to another subject to another subject. And you, you know, if you get caught by them, you're stuck for 20 minutes. Anybody know? who I'm talking about, no. Uh, um, so I saw them and I thought, all right, I'll duck in this BHS entrance and come out the front and I'll bypass them. So I duck in and I'm running through, oh Jesus, I haven't got time. And I, I come out the other entrance and there they are, stood by the edge, ah, Jared, I thought it was you. And off they went, you know what I mean? What have they done? They'd arrested me with their words. I could not get away. That's what you need to do with your thoughts. When your thoughts are going off in some anxious direction or going off in some, uh, some fearful direction, you take it captive by saying, no, we will not be shaken. No, God is for me, not against me. No, God is my protector. You tell yourself, you reason with faith like Abraham did. If my faith doesn't work in this season, what is my faith for? It's for this season that I'm loved, I'm protected, I'm his, he's my healer, he's my saviour, he's my redeemer, now I'm going to prove it, that's who my God is. And you talk until the thoughts bow down, that's how you arrest them. Imagine Jesus, 
he is, uh, he's, he's, he's born, he grows, he's training, then he's waiting for about 17 years, and then we know he's baptized at the Jordan, and he, and he, and he heads off into the wilderness, you know, kind of Luke, Luke chapter 3 and 4, and he's in the wilderness, and all those years of silence are revealed in his one encounter in the wilderness. And it's the one thing you really need to know before you hit maturity in God. It's this. From side to side inside me, I am the word made flesh. I think like God, therefore the enemy can't get to me. If I think like God, there is no door open to the enemy. And wherever the enemy tempted and, and tried Jesus, he turned around and he again and again said, it is written, it is written, it is written. His appetites, his ambitions, it is written, it is written, it is written. His identity, it is written, it is written, it is written. We need to get the word of God into us so that wherever the devil pokes you, all you think is Bible. That's the challenge. Get it so into us, and boy, have we got everything at our disposal. You've got YouTube full of videos, full of scriptures. You've got you version that will talk to you all night and all day if you want it to. You've got podcast galore. We have never been so resourced to know the word of God so good. Now is the time to realize I need to open every dark room in my life and shine the white light of God's word in until wherever you poke me, only word comes out. Anybody else want to make that your aspiration? Come on. Wherever you poke me, just the word of God comes out because the word of God holds the world together. Oh, now, which, which one of the Stoics, one of the emperors of Rome, Marcus Aurelius, I think it was, not a Christian, as far as I know, but he, his thinking was this, even as, as a non-Christian, how he viewed the world as a philosopher and a Stoic, he said this, he said, you know, I believe the world is held together by this thing called Logos. In other words, I just look at the world philosophically and I can see that it's held together by this. Now, to him, logos meant reason. To us, we've, we've shaped it as Christians to mean word, but it's largely the same thing. There's, there's the thinking and the word of God that holds the whole world together. If I can strap myself to the word of God, I am literally strapping myself to the very infrastructure of the universe, the very one that holds all of this together is the Logos of God. Logos, if you don't know, is who Jesus was. He is the Word made flesh. The Logos, it means made flesh. And even philosophers would say the world is somehow held together by this force called Logos. Logos holds the planets in space. Logos is why gravity works. Logos holds everything. The Word of God will hold you together and will hold your Word together. Get the Word inside of you. Amen. Number two, in this time, we have an opportunity to go deep in God. You have a choice with being alone, whether to consider it loneliness or solitude. You know, when I tell my stories as a pastor of the, you know, I'll tell a story of a time when I took a month to seek God and I can feel the wave across the congregation go, well, it's all right for you. Well, now you've all got a chance. <laughs> 
Listen, you, you can go deeper into the Bible than you've ever gone. You can have a personal revival in prayer. You can, the first few days might be hard, but as you push through the mud of the first layer of, I'm not quite sure what to do, you will find a rhythm of prayer. And this season, could, if you end up in more solitude than you'd like to be, you might find yourself just having a personal revival of a level which could shape your entire life. Every time I've taken a week, a month, Two months was the longest I ever took out just to pray and seek God. Every single one of them has absolutely transformed my life. It's like he's taken me to the strategy rooms of heaven and he's unveiled a whole new part of my life. Listen, so if you end up on some version, let's call it enforced sabbatical in some way. If you end up alone, you're not alone. You're with someone who's been longing to get you alone for a long, long time. If only you turn off the TV, spend a little bit less time doing overtime to pay off the mortgage and spend some time with God. You can turn this season into a moment of personal revival that you may well look back on and say that was actually, they intended it for harm, but the Lord intended it for good something happened in me. I, I went from teenager to adult in that season because I had to work out me and God, where's my faith? More than that, okay, God, I'm on my own. It's you and me. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. No more running to Eli. It's speak, Lord, your servant is listening. You just, if you treat this right, see the danger is, some are saying with the kind of work from home type scenario, is that, is that you know, uh, uh, some might end up binge watching rubbish. And there's all kinds of things we can think, you know, might sound like fun. I don't know about you, it doesn't really sound like fun to me, but can I just challenge you to, they say when you're going to take a sabbatical, plan it, because if not, you waste it. Even begin to think now, if I end up having a little bit more time alone than I'd want to, just because of the circumstances around the world, how am I going to plan my revival? How am I going to get at the Bible in a way like I've never done before? How am I going to, you can go to Bible school on YouTube these days, just pick the right channels, we'll send you some, <laughs> right? Because <laughs> there's also other places you can go. Um, uh, there are incredible resources. This could be a moment of revival. It could be a time to go deeper in God that could set you up for life in an extraordinary way. Amen. This is a time, hey, people out there, <laughs> as I said, Andrew and I, as a pair of introverts, we've decided what we're doing, you know what I mean? It's like, well, what, what, we, what if you kind of can't go out much for a few weeks? I'm like, oh, it's easy, I write a book. <laughs> Come on, everybody out there, there's loads of books sat in this room waiting to be written, or oh, if only I had the time. <laughs> Study deeply, pray like never before for the world for your community, learn something new. Listen as well, how can I put this? I'll put it nicely. It, time to start praying as a family. You might have to take church home, which means mums and dads, call your family to prayer. Mums and dads, you are ordained enough. This isn't an Anglican church. You're ordained enough to have communion in your home. You don't need to be a vicar or a priest or a pastor. In Passover, they all did it in their homes. Bread, wine, or juice, and thank God for all that he's done. You might just find your children see a realism about Christianity at a level that they've not quite caught. Now is the time to pray together as a family, amen? Um, if we do end up not having some Sunday services, we'll be going online a lot. 
uh, on Sundays and then at other times during the week and we'll clearly announce what we'll be doing but we'll be supporting everybody online as well with hopefully some inspiration. So, so that's it. Number two, we have an opportunity to go deep in God. Number three, I'm doing all right on time. I thought it was taking too long. We have an opportunity to connect uh, with the world like never before. Remember when the floods came through Hull, I think a lot of us got to know our neighbours in a sudden and very quick way as that warlike spirit, uh, wartime spirit hit us. It, it is a time to be generous. It is a time to not be fearful. Amen. It's a time if you know people can't get out to help with groceries and all that kind of thing. I know some churches are creating cards that they can put through their, you know, 10, 20, 30 homes around them to say if you're stuck in, you know, I'll give you a phone call. I'll go and get groceries for you, whatever. It's a time for the church to be the church, to be the light in the darkness and to make connections like never before. Amen. So begin to think about that too. And then um, number four, we're going to know God's faithfulness like never before in this season. Amen. Uh, Psalm 91 is always a good place to go in this season. Uh, no, it's not there. It's over here somewhere. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest. That's how Jesus was doing it. He knew his Psalms. Right? Will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say, there it is. Put it on your lips, it affects your mind. I will say of the Lord, he's my refuge and my fortress. You might have to say it 20 times a day, 100 times a day, it doesn't matter. That's what biblical meditation is. I will say of the Lord, he's my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely he'll save you from the foulest snare, from the deadly pestilence. He'll cover you with his feathers. Under his wings you'll find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you. There's 11,001 people in that verse, and you're the one that doesn't get touched. Can we start to believe we're God's favorite? Amen. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If you make the most high your dwelling, even the Lord who is my refuge, then no harm will befall you. No disaster will come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They'll lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You'll tread upon the lion and the cobra. You'll trample on the great lion and the serpent. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him for he knows my name. He will call upon me and I will answer him. I'll be with him in trouble. I'll deliver him and honor him with long life. I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. God is a protector in this season. God's your protection. I remember once a little group of us from, from Revive went to, uh, we were in South Africa and we went to Kruger Park, which is a game reserve. And we arrived in this one little uh, village quite late at night and, and it's it's they're little kind of touristy villages really and this is a game reserve that's about the size of Wales and it's got these little villages where you stay in thatch huts and I know because I've been many many times that that some of them have got fences about this high you know and you say to the rangers so um the lions are that side and we're here yeah there's a fence about that high I remember once uh, petting lion in in a, in a friend's game reserve in South Africa and and there was a there was an eight 
foot fence and um, a couple of lines and we were petting them through the fence and stuff like that. We had a couple of kids with us and, and Rita owned the game reserve. She saw the, the, and they were quite young lions looking at the two kids and she said, oh, I think we should go now. The lions are looking at the kids a bit much. I'm like, but there's an eight foot fence. She said, those lions could get over that fence with a dead donkey in their mouths. Come on, let's go. So, oh, okay. So, um, so anyway, we turned up in this game reserve and uh, it was late at night and it was dark and so we got into our chalet and, and we were all going to, there was this, I think, three chalets worth and we were all going to gather in one of them and have a barbecue and one guy started cooking a bit of meat and it was pitch black. We had no idea what kind of fences there were around this place, didn't even know where they were. And, and I, I remember I popped out to go back to our chalet to go get a knife and, and as I'm walking back, I hear Vicky's kind of slightly feeble little voice out the door, Jared, are you okay? Yeah, why? We think there's a lion out there. There'd been this big roar as one of the guys was cooking the meat. So I ran like the clappers back in. And, and, and then we all brought the meat in from the veranda and into the, into the little cottage and carried on cooking in there. And we called out to Paul Hemingway and a couple of, hey, hey guys, come quick. We think there might be a lion outside. So they were running in and, and, all, and we sat in there like a bunch of English miseries having our little sausages and meat, you know, terrified of the lion that was outside. And then we had to, run back to our chalets uh, after the barbecue and all and we were all pretty pretty terrified and you lay there in your bed and 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 what's worse is usually in the middle of the night the aircon goes off then you can hear the lions outside and when they're not roaring they're doing this and you can hear them it's really loud and and you, you, you lie there and you go, oh, oh, Jesus, and all that kind of stuff. Anyway, when the morning came and dawn and light came and we opened up to find out where we were, there was this massive fence all the way around us. We'd been safe the whole time, but not known it. You're safe. He will command his angels concerning you. Do you know, one of the great... Um, lessons of the Old Testament is that there is supposed to be a difference between the people of God and the people of the world. You have favor that others don't. You have protection that others don't. You have blessing that others don't. Here's a challenge to some of us. You have financial blessing that others don't. It's all there, uh, but certainly you have protection and healing from a faithful savior who loves you and is intimately involved in your life. You're safe. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High God. If we could think like God, then we would know inner peace. Amen. You're safe. I remember a friend of mine was driving along in a car in Germany. And um, I don't know if it was a rough area or what, but she's driving along. And these hoodlums, should we say, had set up a roadblock across the road. And she's driving and they, they just stopped and they walked up and a bunch of rough guys obviously about to do something not too, not too nice and, and, you know, looking through the window. And the guy looked through the window and then looked back behind her. She was on her own in the car, looked back and he said, park the cars, park the cars. And they let her drive through. And she's driving. Oh, that, that was weird. They looked in the car behind me. And she looked behind him for two seconds. She saw this massive angel sat in the back seat. He will command his angels concerning you. When... We were in Australia this last year and um, uh, th- there were times out there when I had some health difficulties. I had a vision just of all these hands reaching out to me and holding me up. And again and again, 
I was able to minister almost from a, it literally felt like there was a strength filling me that was beyond myself. And I, I heard the voice of heaven. Don't worry, I'll hold you up. Don't worry, I'll hold you up. Don't worry, I'll hold you up. Say it to the person next to you. Don't worry, God will hold you up. Go on. God will hold you up. Don't worry. God's with you. Helping you. He's for you. So this is a time, just to recap and finish in here. Number one, we're going to grow our minds by learning to focus well. We have an opportunity, number two, to go deeper in God than ever before. We have an opportunity to connect with the world as never before. Number four, we're going to know God's faithfulness like never before in the season because that's who he is. Amen. What I want us to do as we, as we finish off and close in a little while is I want us to do some praying. Is that all right? So Matt and, em, uh, Matt and Angie, if you would come out. It just rolled off the tongue then. Sorry, Angie. Change your name, that's all right. Um, uh, why don't we confess Psalm 91 together first? I know we got it on screen, Lucy, is that okay? Let's stand together. What I, what I want to show you, just as we recite this together, is I want to show you, I, I want to get your, your mental palate to enjoy the Bible. And I know some of you are well aware of this, but some who are newer might go, well, you know, sometimes we can say things, and as Rachel said last week so brilliantly, that's excellent, Rachel, last week, we just don't do it. We don't get round to doing it. You know, life's, life's busy and we get distracted. I want you to know that the Bible feels good to your soul. And so should we, should we say Psalm 91 together? Bring up the first verse, and then you're just going to have to be half a second in front of us as we get to the end. Is that all right? Come on, let's pray. I don't want you to say it and pray it. And just feel the word of God in your heart. Come on, let's say it together before we pray. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely he will save you from the foulest snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his feathers and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. Thousands may fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If you say, the Lord is my refuge, and you make the Most High your dwelling, no harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the cobra. Says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. He will call on me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. 
with long life I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Isn't the word of God beautiful? Let's train our minds to think word, just like you. It's not imprisonment, it's liberty. If you're my disciples, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free.